Hey everybody and welcome to the Young Adults Today podcast where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. Here are your hosts, Josiah and Micah Kinnealy. What's up Young Adults Today fam? It's Josiah and before today's episode, Micah and I just want to stop and say thanks for the work you're doing to reach young adults for Christ in our world today and in your community, in your church, on your college campus. Look, the work you're doing is so vital. It's incredibly important. You are making a difference. We're grateful, we're cheering you on. And as we look to the end of 2023, both this podcast and the ministry of Young Adults Today is made possible by people like you and the generous kingdom investments and financial partnerships. So if you'd consider a year-end gift of any size or becoming a monthly partner going into 2024 we would be so grateful we are in this together look the last thing is we want you to mark your calendars for march 1st and 2nd 2024 in minneapolis minnesota the young adults today leader conference is a chance to gather together to grow together it's going to be fun it won't be the same without you in the room so check out more the links are in the show notes you can visit www.youngadults.today conference now here's for a brand new episode today what's up guys hope you're feeling alive right now i'm micah Keneally. I'm Josiah Keneally. We're your hosts. This is the Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about the faith of the next generation. We're joined today by a very special guest, George Campbell. What's up, man? Welcome to the show. Hey, it's such an honor to be here. You guys are crushing it. Well, we are thrilled to have you. And Josiah, would tell the audience a little bit about George, who he is, where he comes from, and what's going on. Oh my gosh. I'll say this, that Happy Monday. We love to launch a new episode every Monday morning to help mm-hmm. you start off strong in your week, in your life, in your leadership, and this week in your finances. Money is one of those things that we can't avoid, and right. we're called to be good stewards, and we want to lean in and help you with that today. George is a personal finance expert, part of the Ramsey Solutions team. He is the best-selling author of a brand new book that we will talk about And he has a killer YouTube show. So we are really excited to just welcome him to the show. But George, could you just lean into a lot's happened the past 10 days of your life, let alone the past 10 years? Can you hone in on some of your story and what being a young adult was like for you? Absolutely. So I was the kind of the average millennial. I had a very interesting upbringing. My parents are immigrants from the Middle East. And so I was born here in the U.S. and, uh, you know, they kind of adapted to the American culture very quickly, including the money culture, which means you got to have payments on everything. That's just kind of what you do. You got to have a good car. You got to have a good house. And so I sort of fell for these traps, too. When it came time to go to college, we've all heard this, right? Of, well, you got to go to get a good good grades in school. Why? So you can get into a good college. Why? So you can get a good job. Why? So you can make good money. Why? To afford your life. And it just sort of falls apart at the end of that. But what happened was I took out $36,000 of student loans to get through that college experience. And then I had to live off my credit card because I was broke and I was making way less than I thought I would be making out of college, like many students do. And all of a sudden you go, well, I got to have this. I got to have this. I got to have this. Your parents are pressuring you to buy a house. Inflation's happening. It's a tough job market. And all of a sudden I found myself very cynical toward adulthood. I I thought I was going to be excited to be an adult. And instead I found myself going, this is it. This is what the big journey was all about, that they I, I was led down this primrose path of just if you do these things, your life will be great. And my life wasn't great. I was filled with anxiety. 
I was stressed out. I was cynical, wondering what's next. And so luckily, uh, Ramsey Solutions intersected my life. I landed my first big boy job here. Having heard of Dave, I just knew like I was a marketing guy. I started as an intern 10 years ago here at Ramsey and worked through multiple roles in social media and email, began hosting our live events and video channel on camera. And then a few years back, became a Ramsey personality and started teaching this money content. And the reason was simple. The money content changed my life. I went through Financial Peace University, got out of $40,000 in consumer debt, met my wife here, and we started off our marriage debt-free. We bought a house the right way. We paid it off early. And so I'm here to tell you if an average George like me can do it, anybody can. So that's been my, my heart's mission is to help people who feel frustrated towards adulthood, who are scared, who are stressed, who are anxious to go, you can get financially ahead if you take the right steps now and avoid a costly mistakes down the road. I love that. George, thank you so much for sharing elements of your story. And we are both millennials as well. And I remember being 18 years old and everybody's asking, what are you going to do? Where are you going to go? Um, what do you want to be when you grow up? And it's like, I don't even know what I'm going to have for breakfast tomorrow, let alone where do I want to be at the end of my life? So we really believe that we want to empower young adults to begin everything with the end in mind, begin your college career with the end in mind, begin your marriage with the end in mind, begin your family with the end in mind. Like what legacy do you want to live and leave that's going to outlast you. And with the young adult ministry and finances is a huge part of that because we believe that finances is not necessarily a means to an end, but it spurs the dreams and the passions and the heartbeat behind so many young adults of what they want to do, how they want to accomplish it. But they find themselves in some financial ruins along the way. But we love to ask this to every single one of our guests. And that is like, why do you believe that reaching the next generation and young adult um, ministry specifically is so vital and important? in this day and age? Mm. Well, as time goes on, I think I can speak for all of us when I say it feels scarier than it did when we were kids. There's more technology. There's more scary stuff happening. We have more awareness of all of it happening, and that leads to more anxiety. And so what we need is a generation that is faith-filled, that can speak truth and life and hope into a generation that feels hopeless. That feels like there's no point. What's the point of living anymore? We will never get ahead. We'll never own a house. We'll never get to do the things we want to do. And that's where having the faith underpinning is so crucial. Because without that, life becomes this sort of meaningless rat race. But when you have this underpinning of I'm a steward and I'm aiming towards making impact for the kingdom, man, that gets you up. That gets you up in the morning to go, I'm going to fight another day regardless, not this, not in spite of, but despite of all of the craziness in the world, we need to just put on a brave face and go, there is still hope in Jesus. And so you guys are spreading that message beautifully every single day, but more than ever, we need a generation of people, an army of people spreading that hope and truth. And Ramsey Solutions has become a, a beacon of hope. And, our, you know, we always say our secret mission is to lead people to the feet of Jesus. And money is just a way to get there. And that's part of Dave's story. He says, I, you know, I, I met God on the, on the way up. I got to know him on the way down. I absolutely love that. And I would even ask you, um, George, just when it comes to money, how do, how would you encourage the young adult listener today, whether they're a pastor and they're leading and maybe they're thinking like, man, I only make $45,000. How do I begin with the end in mind when it comes to that. And I have children and all these different things, but how, even as a young adult, the 18 to 30 year old, maybe tuning in, how do we not land victim to money, but live from a place of victory when it comes to money and stewarding it well? Like how do we even start that process or how do we even start that mindset to know that 
anybody can do it. Like you said, the average George can do it. So you can do it too. Yeah, that's so good. That's what we do every day is help people kind of release that victim mentality. And the truth is people have had some life happen to them. People who call into our show, they're not always just making terrible decisions. They've had some things happen and they are downtrodden. They've been beaten down by life. And so <clears throat> to have this victim mentality, it's not about just living this perfect life. Nobody can do that. But what we can do is fight back against what I call the toxic money culture and go, you know what? There's a lot of reasons we could say I'm a victim. Inflation, the housing market, the Fed, the guy in the White House, the baby boomers, you know, they're ruining it all for the rest of us. They bought up all the houses for $30,000 and now we'll never get a house. That's victim talk. And I understand it's real. So let me say that I have a lot of empathy. I'm not here to say none of that exists. I'm here to say, what are we going to do about it? Because the one factor we can control and all of those things that we can finger point at is us, the person in the mirror. And that's the victor mentality. And so in, the, in my new book, Breaking Free from Broke, I use this analogy of David and Goliath because it feels like we're up against Goliath in the financial world. Against, you know, how are we going to get ahead financially in a world that feels like it's impossible? And we're just David. And so in our little sling, of course, we have our faith. But we have these little seven baby steps that if you just follow them, regardless of where you came from, you can win with money. If you just get out of debt, stay out of debt, have an emergency fund and begin investing for the future the right way, you're going to have peace financially, whether you make $45,000 or $450,000. Mm -hmm. And it all comes down to living on less than you make. If you can start with that habit, then regardless of how much money you have, how much the Lord blesses you with down the line, you're going to be okay because you know how to live on less than you make by getting on a budget. George, the message is so, so powerful. I remember being 16 years old, getting the first iPhone that came out, and that's 16 or so years ago. But there was a purple app called Podcasts. And one of the first apps that or podcasts that I downloaded on that app or streamed as a high school student, taking some college classes for free at our local community college, was the Dave Ramsey show. Yes. And I remember I remember not knowing, like, look, is I know that I have a dream job to be a young adult pastor. And at most churches, that job doesn't even exist, mm -hmm. let alone you're going to need some Bible college and some training to go along with it, to be a pastor, to, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And I didn't know if my family would be able to afford college. I didn't know if it'd be an option. And I had a job part-time. I just started hearing all these callers talk to Dave every mm -hmm. single day of the week. And I was one of those fanatics listening like five or six days a week to the show. And what was crazy is their scenarios gave me hope because right. I had more time than they did. It's like I had an advantage. So I fast forward to college. I never took out student loans, graduated debt-free, and we were then able to get married debt-free. We were mm -hmm. able to become like campus missionaries because we didn't have debt holding us back. Mm -hmm. So anytime, like a few years ago, we sensed God leading us to start a nonprofit ministry called Young Adults Today. Well, the reason financially that our family was able to take some of those steps of faith or risks or just mm -hmm. go for the dreams was because we didn't have the chains of debt holding us back. And so your message and the message of Ramsey Solutions, giving hope and basic stewardship, these baby steps, these seven baby steps, it is timely. I picture you guys as a beacon of hope, but also 
really like King Solomon, people seek out your wisdom right. from all across the globe. And it it is really, really powerful. And I want to ask you this, how in the world did you, because you talk about this in your newest book, Breaking Up With Broke, how in the world did you go from a negative net worth to becoming a debt-free millionaire in less than 10 years? Well, first of all, what you said was beautiful as to why those that are in ministry, pastors need to follow this plan more than anyone because it gives them the margin, those options to where they can just get up and move and they don't have to worry about payments, keeping them chained to where they're at. And so beautifully said there. And uh, I do un unpack the story in the introduction of the book where I go, I'm standing on my grass and for a paid for house. I never thought this was possible. I'm not a rich person. I'm not a wealthy person. Um, and I started off not long ago. I mean, 10 years to those listening may sound like an eternity. If you're 22, the idea of 32 is like, I'll never get there. Oh my gosh, that's retirement. But guess what? It's going to be here whether you like it or not. So what decisions are you going to make today? They're going to set you up 10 years from now. But instead, we're thinking about what's happening this weekend. And so we've got to have that long-term mindset beginning with the end in mind. I love that you mentioned that. Having that long-term mindset, I believe, is one of the keys that is missing from this generation actually building wealth and getting ahead financially. So to your question, what's the story there? How did I actually go from negative net worth, $40,000 in debt, nothing to my name, to now having a household net worth of a million dollars or more with my wife and I? And it was slow. I mean, it was not this, you know, it kind of hockey sticks over time because of compound growth as you start to look at the numbers, but you get out of debt you're at $0 net worth, right? If you have nothing in the bank, but you have no debt, that's a $0 net worth. You're, what you own minus what you own is your net worth. And so as you get a savings account, you're like, all right, I'm starting to build a positive net worth possibly for the first time in my life. It's amazing. Then you begin to invest 15% into your retirement accounts. And there's not much there at first, right? You're talking, you know, 500 bucks a month, $1,000 a month. But then over time you go, oh my gosh, we had $100,000 in our retirement account. That's a huge accomplishment. And you begin to save up a down payment and you take on a, a reasonable mortgage that you pay off quickly. Now you have all the equity in the house built on top of your retirement, on top of your savings. And then one day you look up and you kind of, it's not an accident, but you kind of didn't realize that you were going to get there once you just add up all the numbers. And so that's what happened with my wife and I. We got a townhome, we paid it off aggressively. We moved into another home that's paid off. And now we have our retirement accounts on top of our savings. And all of a sudden you just add it up and you go, oh my gosh, we have a net worth of a million dollars or more. Now, the crazy part is our lifestyle really hasn't changed that much. You know, like we're able to upgrade our lifestyle a bit and give more, which is awesome and save more, which is great because I have a newborn and college is going to be expensive 18 years from now. But overall, we just have a more peaceful life without debt. And a byproduct of that naturally is you're going to be a millionaire. And I'm now 34. And so from 23 to 33, that was my journey. 10 years to go from broke to millionaire. And it may take people listening. It may take them 15 years. It may take them 20 years. But don't tell me it's not going to happen, that it can't be done, and that you're just going to go, woe is me, and live in that victim mentality. It's possible, but you have to take the right steps today, tomorrow, the next day. And then 10 years from now, you might look up and go, oh, my gosh, look at God. Look at where we are. Yeah. Yeah, George, I think that's so good. And even just some of the young adults that we come across is anxiety, the fear, the doubt, worry of the future, um, which is causing all of these, I don't know, forms of trauma more or less in their life. And they become almost so complacent that they 
don't really necessarily move forward and the habits that they have developed, they're not necessarily changing. So when it comes to the next generation of Gen Z, what have you studied or what have you found when it comes to money or spending habits or lack of spending or saving, whatever it is, like what have you been finding along the way? Well, we found that a lot of them are actually, they're risk averse to things like credit cards. So they're going, okay, I know I've heard credit cards are supposed to be this tool, but I don't want to go into credit card debt, but yet they're falling for other traps like buy now, pay later. So Klarna, Afterpay, Affirm, they're looking at that cart when they add to cart and they see, hey, instead of $40, I could make a payment of $10 and then make another payment of $10 and another payment and I can free up that money. And so these buy now, pay later companies have these, these Gen Zers in the palm of their hand going, I've got them. They're going to keep adding to the tab and at the end of the month, they're going to owe way more than they thought. And then they're going to have that payment again next month and again next month. And it's going to rob them from their joy, rob them from their paycheck. And so that's a big trap I'm seeing the younger generations fall for. And the other one is just investing traps. They're wanting to invest early, which is amazing. Let me just say, I'm so proud of them for going, I don't want to wait to be like mom and dad and retire with nothing. I want to start now because they understand how compound growth works. Mm-hmm. The problem is there's so many traps out there when it comes to investing, and there's really only two or three things you should be investing in, and the rest you need to ignore. The problem is social media has brought on so much noise and myths and distractions and traps through TikTok and Instagram, and I know this because they send it to me, and they go, what do you think about this? Is this person right? Should I be doing this? Should I be leveraging this whole life insurance plan as a wealth building hack for infinite banking? And I'm like, oh my gosh, how much time do you have? And so that's one thing we need to do is put on the blinders and go, I don't need to be doing complicated things. I don't need to be investing in anything I don't understand. And if it sounds too good to be true, I need to run in the other direction. The slower and the less sexy it is, the the wiser it probably is. And that's what I found to be true over time is nobody wants to invest in their 401k, boring, gross. And yet that's the number one vehicle in our millionaire study that people said, this is what got me to millionaire status. It was my employer retirement plan. Mm-hmm. It wasn't crypto. It wasn't beanie babies. It wasn't a whole life insurance plan. It was just a boring, tried and true retirement plans. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. And you've referenced a couple of times, but I'm going to go out on a limb here. And for the listener who's heard of you just today, they were today years old when they discovered Ramsey Solutions. There mm-hmm. are these seven baby steps. Could you just lay them out so that, we can just really grasp an understanding of where can we start mm. if we want to start the journey today over the next 10 or 15 or 20 years. Because I think these, look, when we were actually, I'm pretty sure we were engaged. We went through um, Financial Peace University at our church yeah, and just having some of those money talks and starting the baby steps and starting out our life together on the same page with just a few um, steps that are really simple but they're significant over the long haul. Can you outline those seven steps? Oh, absolutely. So these seven baby steps Dave outlined, you know, 30 years ago. And the crazy part is it still works today. And part of that is because it's based on biblical principles. I mean, you mentioned Solomon. I'm like, yeah, most of our money advice, Dave stole from Proverbs. And so, you know, shout out to Solomon for, for the wisdom there, speaking in tweets before Twitter existed. And so here's the baby steps that I followed to go from broke to millionaire. And baby step one is get $1,000 in a starter emergency fund really fast. This is a month or less. Once you have that knocked out, 
we move to baby step two, where we pay off all consumer debt except the house using the debt snowball method, which means smallest to largest balance, regardless of the interest rate. Once you have all of your debt knocked out, now we move on to baby step three, where we save up three to six months of expenses in a fully funded emergency fund. So now think about where we're at. We did focus intensity one step at a time, and we have no debt and a pile of savings in the bank to protect us from ever going into debt again. Now we're done paying for the past, we can start building for the future. Baby step four, invest 15% of your household income into retirement. And then baby step five, while you're doing four, so you got 15% going, now we can start to save for our children's college fund in baby step five. While we're doing that, any money left over, we throw into baby step six, which is pay off the home early, which is an incredible feeling to have no payments in the world and a paid for house. And that leads us to baby step seven. And this is the ongoing kind of infinity step while we're here on earth. And that's to build wealth and give in baby step seven. And that's where you can have some real fun. And we encourage you, you'll notice giving is not a baby step. It's part of all the baby steps to give. And we always recommend, you know, your 10% tithe if you're a person of faith to your local church. But giving causes you to have an open hand towards money, which if you just close your fist, you feel the tension on your body and nothing else can come in. When you have that open hand, you just live a more free life. You're looser. You're having a good time. And we always say that giving is the most fun you can have with money. And so building wealth and giving at that step, especially the earlier you can do it. I mean, you guys have followed these, this plan. If you can follow these steps in your 20s, you're going to be there by your 30s. Yeah. And it's going to be way easier than trying to force this in your 50s or 60s, which people can do. But man, it's harder. And you can build a whole lot more wealth and have more impact for the kingdom if you get this early on. So those are the baby steps. It's that simple and it's that hard because you want to make it more complex in your head. You want to go, well, we really should adjust. It works. It worked 30 years ago and it still works today. And if it, if you do the steps and you still want to go back to how you were living, go for it. But I found that all the people that do it go, yeah, that worked. I'm going to stick with it. It's so good. I ran across on YouTube this talk where there was like a young Dave Ramsey and it's probably 30 some years ago. And he's saying the exact same message 30 years ago that he is today. Like the, mm -hmm. the steps really haven't changed. Even the verbs, they, they just mm -hmm. really haven't changed. And that's, if I could ask him one question, I would ask, how did you know it was right then? But it's, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. I just, I think that he's honest too, that he says, if you want to go from broke to millionaire, this is your plan. If you want to become DECA or multi-multi-millionaire, you might need to find another plan, but this is what works mm -hmm. to get millions of people out of debt, discovering financial peace and just walking in mm -hmm. that. And George, on your YouTube channel, <clears throat> one of my favorite videos that you've done is you talk about side hustles that you um, lived in and worked. And I'm just thinking of the college student listening for a second, who's, mm -hmm. you know, taking maybe a full-time 15, maybe 18 credits at their college. They're um, maybe working part-time or interning and, and trying to start the baby steps. And, and in my life, there's been times where I've had a spending problem and the baby steps really helps me sort through that. Like, where am I out of control and bring the balance sheet into order? But there's been other seasons where maybe it was an income problem. And especially in our line of work, like we're off the scales when it comes to the, the passion of our work and the purpose mm -hmm. of our work. And on the income, I know that we could take the same skill set mm -hmm. that we do into the is traditional marketplace and there'd be a higher paycheck, but we just 
are, are so convicted about the work that we do. And so for the person who's like, man, I have my passion or I have my purpose of I'm in, in college or I'm working the job that I feel God's calling me to do, but I just need to boost the income some. I'd love you to talk a little bit about some of those side hustles. Like you wrote some songs and uh, I won't steal your thunder, but <laughs> it's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I'm a very, uh, I'm all over the place. And so when I started in college, I was this, I wanted to do music, but I loved marketing and I didn't, I was just a creative. I'm just going to label it as a creative. That's an easy label to go like, I don't know what I do, but I'm a creative. It just feels good. And so, you know, I was working at the Apple store before I, you know, while I was in college, my first year, I was working at the Apple store. I was in a band. And as I got into college, I realized I need some money. I'm kind of broke. And I mean, I was already taking out student loans to go through dang college, but I needed some money on top of that. So I worked at a, a restaurant. I was a terrible server. I think I lasted a few weeks and I realized my talents are not in hospitality in that way. And so I had some tech knowledge. And so I started helping local businesses with social media and websites. And I was a musician. So I would try to book gigs when I could to make a little extra money. And on top of that, I had that website knowledge. So I started building websites on the side for about, you know, 600 bucks or a thousand bucks and helping out entrepreneurs and authors and speakers build their brands and build their websites. And on top of that, as I got into hosting and emceeing, I went, there's other people who have events and they need a good MC to warm up the crowd and get the information out there. And so I did a little tour with a, a couple that was doing Enneagram content and ended up making some money there to help us get our down payment in order. And so I just always kept up. Side hustles were a way of life. I've done Uber. I've done Lyft. I did the Nielsen People Meter where it listens to like the radio and TV you're listening to. And I'd make 20 bucks a month doing that. Anything I could do to bring in more income. I was like, why not? I mean, when you're young and you're single, there is no excuse to not bust your butt out there. Like you can catch up on Netflix later. Like right now, let's get to work and let's bring that income in so that we can get out of this victim mentality going, well, I'm just broke and there's no nothing I can do. Go get that retail job. It doesn't matter. It doesn't need to be your life's passion. Now, if you can do something within your skill set and passion, you're going to do it longer and enjoy it. But there's nothing wrong with going and just picking up a retail job on the side. And so a lot of people need to put down and swallow their pride and go, you know what? It's okay as a college student, especially if I'm working at this retailer or this fast food joint, flipping burgers to make 10, 15, 20 bucks an hour. What matters is that you're doing your monthly budget and seeing the impact the extra income is making and how much faster it's going to get you to your financial goals, whatever that may be, whether it's getting out of debt, getting the emergency fund or investing for the future. George, I think that's so good. And one thing, like even during COVID and coming out of COVID with two kids, Josiah and I recognize like, hey, what could we do that's fun, that stirs the passion in us, that it's a natural skill set that we have that we could make some money off of. And Josiah came to me one day and said, Micah, I've been thinking a lot about baseball cards. And when I was a kid, I used to do baseball cards. And there's a lot of people that I'm coming across that they're they're flipping and they're like just I don't know, expanding in the, the the baseball world of cards is coming alive again. And that's that's hockey, that's football, that's baseball, even just the card thing. So um Josiah, tell why don't you share with the audience just a little bit about what that is, what that looked like as a passion as a child. And it just became a fun little side hustle because you had a goal in mind that you knew we couldn't reach without tapping into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So George, this is our squad. This is oh, our Oh, beautiful. <laughs> 
So Aurora is three and a half. Avalon is two. And we, a year ago, exactly. We had Mm -hmm. a car that was getting miles, getting miles up there. And it was, there was no breakdown. It was just, it was fine. But we knew like Micah's family lives out of state and we kind of wanted something. We live in Minnesota. We preferred something that was all wheel drive in the winter. And so as we looked at our life and our budget, we were committed to not taking on a car payment, Mm -hmm. but where our income is and was, it was just like, man, I don't know that we'll have in the next year, the bandwidth or the margin or the breathing room to, um, to upgrade vehicles. We're not looking for a brand new vehicle, but something that's like all wheel drive for a growing family. If we could have a third road seat, Mm -hmm. all these different goals. So we kind of had an image in our mind of a car that's like seven years old or newer a uh, hundred thousand miles or less all wheel drive, preferably in like a minivan or SUV that would get us, you know, to, from Minnesota to North Dakota, we do some travel for ministry as well. So I told Micah, I'm like, I'm going to figure out baseball cards. And I was inspired, honest uh, by your side hustle story mm-hmm. of like, you didn't share it, but you wrote a few songs that like made it into a commercial and another mm-hmm. friend of mine from college he and I had the same goal of getting through college debt-free. I worked a ton. Mm-hmm. He started flipping things on Craigslist when Craigslist was a thing. So I'm like, man, I'm going to figure this out. And I met a guy who had two card shops, like sports cards that closed. So in a, um, like a storage unit, floor to ceiling, this guy texted me a picture and he goes, I think we can help each other out. And so he would buy the tub, like like 20,000 cards in a tub, he would give me a car load, four of these for say 200 bucks. So I, I paid, wow. I paid um, what 50 bucks a tub. And I would just list them on marketplace for like a hundred bucks a tub. And um, over the next year, over the last like 10 months, I had a really specific goal. I think I moved about two and a half or 3 million sports cards just by helping this guy clear out his storage unit. He was overwhelmed, gave wow. me another price. I helped him empty this storage unit and then it helped us. And so we got a couple months back, a 2017, I think it is Chevy mm-hmm. Traverse all wheel drive, but I'm just saying for That's the list. Amazing. But was able to pay cash for exactly. It. Yeah. Able to pay That's cash. incredible. And, and, and it actually has become a ministry tool outside for like the, the non-believer, you know? So Josiah's been able to pray for people. He's been able to cover people in prayer for their kids and these major surgeries that these families are up against. But also these dads and uncles and family members are really recognizing technology has captivated my child's heart and we need to bring them back to more of like a, I don't know. Old school. Old school. Analog. Of like get off that screen and we're going to learn how to do baseball cards and we're going to learn about sports. And so a lot of these men coming to Josiah saying like, I got to get my 13, my 15 and my 17 year old off devices. So this is one of the approaches that we're going to do. And Josiah's like, well, if there's any way I can help, we got some more cards back at home. So that's it was amazing really cool to be able to pay for cash and, you know, kind of wheel and deal, see him wheel and deal some amazing things but then also that's like triple impact there's like some father son bonding there they're doing something tactile and they're making a little money maybe if they're flipping these cards that's incredible yeah Yeah. i love it and so i just wanted to tell the listener that like where there's a will there's a way and there's there's also an immense amount of freedom and liberty i don't want you to see these seven baby steps as something that are like handcuffs no no no. this is for freedom this Mm -hmm. is for peace and um, George, you used the term creative, like 
I think we as authors and speakers and podcasters, like there's a ton of creative freedom that you don't have to do what I did with cards or what George did with websites or emceeing. Like there might be a talent or a hobby or a passion. Mm -hmm. You might say, look, I've got a DSLR camera and I'm going to second shoot weddings. The sky is the limit with the sign. Been there, man. Been there. That was another gig in college. Get gritty. Second shooter at weddings. And you can make great money doing that. Oh, for sure. And mm -hmm. most most Gen Zers know how to handle a camera. Like it's hitting record and knowing, you know, keep it in focus, guy. Like that's about it. <laughs> and so we have so many skills as a as the younger generations. They're so talented. They can pick up things so quickly. And it gives me hope that not only are they going to be okay if they utilize it correctly, but they're going to find those things they love to do. And so one thing I'd encourage them with is they may not know what the next 10 years holds. That's okay. I've had six jobs over the last decade. What you need to do is be faithful in the job you're in right now. Yeah. If you can excel in that and go, hey, what was it about that I loved? What was it about that that I hated? You can start to navigate that path. And all of a sudden, your gifts will shine through. And the people are going to notice. The leaders are going to notice and say, hey, you know what? George would be a great fit for this MC host role even though he's doing great marketing, we see some talent here that we should place him over here. And that's how my whole career has been. It's never been this conniving strategery. I'm not that smart, guys. What happened was I was just very faithful, whatever I was doing. I would just put my mind to it and go, this is for God and not for man. And I'm going to put all of my skills and effort into this and energy into this one thing. And over time, the opportunities will show up if you are just faithful. And so don't think that you don't have time and don't think you're not good enough the more time you spend doing that, the less time you're spending increasing your skills and making an impact. And so just put your head down and do the work and don't think that it has to happen three years from now, your life is over. Okay, right. I'm 10 years into it. I'm, I'm a YouTuber now. I, that wasn't even a career option when I was in high school. And so just know the world's gonna change. And so the more you can just adapt and you know flex with that, the better your life is gonna be versus having this very rigid, if my life plan doesn't work out perfectly in the straight line, then I'm a failure. That's a terrible mentality. Right. Right. That's a great word of encouragement for the listener. And George, I'd be so curious because you did go to college. You did take on some student loans along the way. What comes to your mind when you hear the word or the two words, student loans, and for those who have a dream of going to college, can they graduate debt free? Oh my gosh. How much time do we have? I'm Okay. I'll do the spark notes. So I cover this in chapter four of my new book, Breaking Free from Broke, there's a whole chapter on student loans. And um, the word that comes to mind is quote, unquote, good debt. That's the term I keep hearing with student loans. It's an investment in my future. And therefore, it's okay if I take on the debt because society told me and my guidance counselors and the parents and the college marketing, man, they're all telling me this is the path to a great future. And uh, what we found is that it's the monkey on our back. It's a weight physically on our bodies that we carry. And that's why people are so angry about the student loan forgiveness thing. They're going like, this isn't my fault. I signed up for this without understanding. My loan has doubled since I took it on 20 years ago. It's impossible to pay off. These student loan companies are really scummy. And so the whole industry is disgusting. And I uncovered this in our uh, narrative podcast called Borrowed Future that I hosted that turned into a documentary. And so I kind of developed a chapter in the book based on all of that and research and where things are at today. And so I would tell people it's very much possible to go to college debt-free, but 
But again, you have to turn off the noise and change your expectations. Stop thinking about the dream school and start thinking about what job do I actually want and what is the education needed? And then what is the most affordable path to get that education? Right. That is the only way we should be thinking about college. And my friend Ken Coleman, fellow Ramsey personality, says, ask these two questions. Is it the only way and is it the best way? And what you'll find is that the only way is not to go to the college your parents went to to give them some source of joy and pride. That is a very toxic reason to go to college. Now, if you can go to that college and you can afford to pay for it in cash or mom and dad are, gonna, are saying, hey, we'll cover this for you. We know this is a great school. It would mean the world. We can keep this in the family. It's a big tradition. But if you can't afford it, don't put those shackles on your kid because it's your alma mater. That is a terrible thing to do, parents, to your kids. And so it's okay. We got to stop poo-pooing community colleges because the quality of education there has increased tenfold. Yes. You can always transfer to the to a four-year university. And don't poo-poo the small scholarships because they're 100 bucks or 500 bucks. Listen, if you just five hours a week work to get scholarships and you can get $1,000 in scholarships for five hours a week, it's like $200 an hour. Are you kidding me? And so you just keep doing that day after day, semester after semester. You work part-time while you're in school. And if you're young, I want to set my kids up. I want to have a big pile of cash for little Mia to go to college 18 years from now so that she has options and margin and freedom that I didn't have. And so she wants to go to that dream school. You know, she, she's, I, she's got me wrapped around her finger. Wherever Mia wants to go, she's going to go and we're going to cover it, but only because we can pay for it in cash. And if she decides she doesn't want to go, that's okay too, parents. She may explore the trades. She may be a YouTuber. Who knows what jobs will be in existence 20 years from now. So we got to stop making plans based on that and stop going six figures into debt with the hopes that it's all going to ROI at the end. I will now step off my soapbox. Oh, I love <laughs> it. So and, and I think everything that you said is so, so good. I just want to say that um, I was able to graduate debt-free from college with an associate's bachelor's and master's degree. Wow. It, it's kind of, it's, it's kind of like, you know, average Josiah, average George. I, I just really think that if I can do it, um, God can help you do it. And mm -hmm. we want to come alongside with some of those resources to just be an encourager, a cheerleader on the sidelines saying that you don't need to take out student loans. It might be a combination of work, FAFSA, scholarships, mm -hmm. getting creative. Maybe take a gap things. year. Who knows? Just go mm -hmm. save up and go work for a year. That's okay too. It doesn't have to be on some perfect timeline. And guess how many people have asked me if I have a degree, what the degree is in and where I went to school. Almost nobody cares once you graduate. Right. They just say, what do you do? And even employers here at Ramsey Solutions, we don't require a degree. Now, we want to know you have the proper training and education and skill set and knowledge and people skills. But for a degree, a piece of paper, I mean, I can't tell you the last time I walked in my doctor's office and went, did he go to a name brand famous school? I just go, what's his bedside manner like? Can she take care of me and my family? That's all you're really thinking about. And so we got to stop putting so much pressure on this piece of paper that's just making colleges rich. It's fascinating. You know, I almost sent this to you and Ken, but six days ago, our governor here in Minnesota tweeted that they are opening almost every state government job to people without a four-year degree. Wow. Also, that's also, amazing. Because I think that um, I think that, that was something I wasn't expecting because typically the states have been higher education, higher education, mm -hmm. higher education. But we're seeing around 2 million less students go to college 
this year right now versus a few years ago. And I think that employers rapidly are shifting away from some of the degree requirements, just like you said at Ramsey's. And for our season of life, I want to get a little bit selfish with this conversation. We have a goal of paying off the home that we're in right now early. And you did it. And Mm -hmm. so I think that mentoring and um, I think a big part of success in life is asking people who did it, how did you do it? Like, if, if that's the dream that we have, even in let's just get aggressive here and say the next five years, mm-hmm. um, the math isn't quite there, but what, what are some of your tips for us, for the listener who maybe wants to pay off mm-hmm. a home early? I love it. So for those of you that have a home or you dream of having a home one day, the better dream is paying it off early. And uh, it was a big goal for me and my wife. And it's something you have to pre-decide. It's not going to happen accidentally. You're not going to do the 30 year and pay it off like a 15. I've heard it all, man. And so we we preach 15 year fixed rate conventional loan where the payment is no more than a quarter of your take home pay. Now, I understand that's very difficult in today's world in the housing market. It may take longer. You may We started with a townhome. We would have loved a single family home with a big backyard. But my wife and I, we got married. It wasn't my first home, but we got our home together. It was a townhome. And we decided we're going to put a big down payment down. And so we did that over 20% and then had a goal to pay it off in three years. And my wife was like, we can do better than that. And I was like, that's already pretty aggressive, but she's intense and very driven. And so we ended up paying off $165,000 mortgage in 26 months with intensity. Wow. And part of it was I continued side hustles. Even as a grown man, You know, I'm still going, well, if we can make more money, we can throw that at the principal. And so to your question, here's the big secret of paying off your mortgage early you pay extra towards the principal every month. It's that simple and it's that hard. And people want to make it very complicated. And they're like, well, if you put an extra $40 a month and if you pay it every two weeks instead of every month, you can do one extra pay. I'm going to simplify it. How much extra can you put on the principal? And maybe that for some people right now, it's a few hundred bucks. That's great. That's still going to save you so much in interest and save you so much time. But if you can go, hey, what if we could put $1,000 extra toward the principal? Now we're talking. What if we could make double payments? Our mortgage is $1,500. What if we could put another $1,500 on top of that? Now we're cooking with gas. And so the key to doing all of this is getting on a budget. And our Every Dollar Budgeting app makes it super easy to lay out your income and your expenses, and it will show you the gap. Hopefully, you you don't have a deficit. You have some net positive here. And so if you have an extra $500, go, hey, as a couple, where can we cut expenses to where we could shave off another $500? And then on the income side, hey, what if we got a raise? And what if you got that side hustle for the next year, just on the side, doing something you enjoy? Maybe for you, it's officiating weddings. I don't know. But a lot of pastors out there, they're bivocational. They're doing side hustles. They're great with their hands. They're woodworking. If you could bring in an extra 500 to 1000 bucks a month, let's throw that on top of the mortgage. And then using our mortgage payoff calculator, it's really exciting to see how much faster you're going to pay it off. And it almost becomes addicting. And so I found whatever your goal is for you two, you're going to beat it because you're focused on it. Whatever whatever we give our attention and energy and focus to, we succeed in. And so I know it's going to happen faster for you guys just because it's a very intentional goal for you. And so I encourage everyone, if you want to have the best life possible, pay off your mortgage as early as possible. Don't let it hang around like a pet, even if you have a low interest rate, because that's a people have this problem, right? They're going, my mortgage is 3%. I get 5% in my savings account. It's so dumb to pay off 
<laughs> just uh, I could break down the math for you guys, but it would just it would hurt my brain as well as the listener brain to go. Here's the real math on it. You're not making money. Pay off the mortgage. Have peace and freedom in your life. Oh, no one anything. Proverbs 22, 7, the borrower slave to the lender. I can't read it any other way. Yeah. It's not saying it's a sin, but it's saying you aren't totally free. Mm -hmm. And I believe our best life in, in our faith journey is to be as free as possible. And that includes our finances. So good. That's dead on. And speaking of free, we want to lean into the next part of our little segment here where people love to get to know you as the guest a little more. So we have the oh. segment is five and five. So it's rapid fire questions. We have five minutes on the clock to honor your time. Uh, are you ready for question number one and the challenge? I'm nervous, but I'm ready. I'm okay. All right. So question number one, what has God been teaching you lately? Oh, my goodness. With a newborn, he's been teaching me that I am not in control. I'm a control freak. Anything I can get on the calendar, anything I can systematize, if I can have an Excel sheet, it makes me happy. And with a newborn, your schedules are off. Your your days are off. Your you have no full control. You are just responsible for this child. And so God has been releasing me and reminding me, going, hey, buddy, it's not all on you and your shoulders and your Excel spreadsheets. Trust me. Lean on me for energy and for strength and for wisdom. And so that's been a, a beautiful but also a painful reminder in this season. George, I think that's so good. And here's a little tidbit of advice that I feel like God's given me, having a two-year-old and a three-year-old. There's a reason why the Bible says, teach a child in the way they should go versus control a child in the way they should go. Yes. Because I'm very much like, I can't control their emotions right now. Like, dear God, I need your help. Like, look how tiny they are and they have control of this room. <laughs> yes, I like that. Oh, teach I guess. versus control. It's all we can do. That's all we can do. I was praying for this conversation this morning, and I was reminded of our first daughter being born, the middle of a pandemic, everything like that. And I know your past <clears throat> couple months is like baby born, book launched, and both are like both super high on the scale of you stress, really good stress. They're not distress, but your body doesn't react to stress. Like if you work out, it takes a while before your muscles catch up to that exhaustion. So my prayer for you is a couple months in that you can take maybe a weekend off and and not feel overwhelmed if if any delayed stress. I'm not speaking that over your life, but if any delayed stress hits that you can just know that, oh man, the, the past few months have been filled with stress, the best kind. And um, the second question is if you could go on a road trip, Ooh. where would you go and what snack and beverage would you bring? Oh, that's a great question. I'll start with snack and beverage because I think that's the most important part of any road trip. <laughs> I'm going to go with a nitro cold brew coffee because you got to stay caffeinated on the road. Got to stay hype listening to the playlist. And then for snack, oh man, I'm trying to avoid junk food. I'm a gluten-free gladiator. If you know me, you know that's my speed. And so to find the gluten-free snacks is a little more difficult. On the chocolate side, I'm going to go Butterfinger. On the candy side, I'm going to go Sour Patch Kids. I think those hit on a, it feels like a real treat on a road trip if you're rocking those. And where am I going? Um, I'm probably gonna go somewhere warm with really good food. And so um I'd love to go west coast, maybe Colorado, California, make my way over through through the mountains. I think that would be the trip. That sounds like a great trip to have. Caffeinated, you got your snack and you know where you're going. So um, here's the curveball that we have for you, George. If you could ask Josiah and myself one question today, what would you ask us? Oh, this is a good one. Okay. 
truthfully, <laughs> you guys are like, like I aspire to be as good of a people as you are. So what is your secret to having such a contagious joy and hopefulness and encouragement? Because truthfully, I'm a recovering cynic and pessimist, and you guys seem to have found some magic potion. And so how do you do it every day in spite of waking up groggy with a two and three-year-old having a bad day and you still have these beautiful smiles on your faces? Oh, man. That's really nice of you to say. Because I know you're not faking it. I can tell when people are faking it. There is a true joy underlying there man i'll go i can answer for you okay you go okay can i answer for you yeah. well i'll say this josiah is naturally an encourager like he like a spiritual gift encourager he's like mikey you can never out courage everybody needs encouragement and any room he walks into he can light up the room because he's just overly happy and people are like are you for real like mikey have you ever seen him mad i was like it takes a lot to get him worked up let alone mad <laughs> So that's a so it truly is a gift. Like naturally encouraged. That's a God-given gift. I think yeah, it's I was I gonna so. go spiritual. I think it's a work of the Holy Spirit. And then the practical side of it is man, I I just think that having something on the calendar to look forward to, such as for us, Monday morning, this podcast episode, we've I've been psyched about talking to you for a good bit of time. Mm -hmm. Or oh. it could be I mean, it could be a, a getaway. You can't um, help but encourage even right now. The man just can't stop. <laughs> Unbelievable. I mean, it could be a book. It could be, man, I want to I wanna pick up a new book or I want to get together with two buddies. It could be something mm -hmm. on the calendar to look forward to. And then to recognize mm -hmm. the last piece is probably more empathetic, but to realize that people go through hell on earth almost all week. And when I was on staff at a local church, there was one guy named mm -hmm. Carrie and he would come up to me and he'd, he'd be like, bro, go give them heaven. People have tasted hell mm -hmm. all week. Go give them heaven. Yeah. And so I think that Micah says it this way, like we want to leave people in places better than we found them. Mm -hmm. And so, man, if people have been through who knows yeah. what kind of battle that they're fighting, our friend this morning, his son is having brain surgery. So it's like, man, that's really tough stuff that people are going through. How can we be just a bright spot in their day? Yeah. And that's, I think one of our mottos, just, I already hit on my answer was leaving people in places better than we found them. And to know that we are, we get to be a taste of heaven to those around us. So I just pray, even over our family, like, Lord, I pray for supernatural joy. Like nobody can rob us of our joy that we are a thermostat and we enter any room and we can change the culture. We can shift the atmosphere. We can shift just the, the mindset and just influence the culture um, to whatever capacity God would entrust us with. So I think it's just stewarding the space around us and I don't know, stewarding and being faithful in the process and yeah, clearing out the clutter of our own junk. Maybe that helps us a little more. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. Well, I mean, you guys have, have left me better than you found me already. So thank you for this. You oh, put yeah. a pep in my step thank this morning. Saying that. Oh my gosh. Flipping the script back to you. Yeah. Um, I would say we're on question four of five in the mm -hmm. five of five. What would you say is one of, you are around some of the brightest thought leaders, whether it's the Entree Leadership Podcast or the Ramsey show, or all of the live events, you're, um, I hope in sponge mode when you're around these leaders, you're one of those leaders for us. What's one of the best pieces of advice that you've ever been given that maybe you'd want to share with the listener today? Mm, that's really good. I think it, it transcends leadership, but it's so tied to leadership. And I think leadership is service. And so whether it's your marriage, whether it's your finances, to outserve each other and outserve the people around you 
number one, it makes you a better leader. And it's a gift. That generosity to just serve other people gives you joy that is unmatched, even more than taking in. And so I think it's a life of service is a life well spent. And I'm naturally a people pleaser. So I've tried to channel that for good in going, how can I serve people without hoping to get something in return and without having resentment because they didn't give it back, but instead just being so open-handed with service going, hey, where are their needs around me? Where are their opportunities to bless someone today? Even if it's little, I mean, it could be just holding a door open and just taking the time to look up and say, hey, and ask how they're doing. It doesn't have to be anything big, but I found that changed my mentality and the best leaders do that. Even Dave Ramsey, behind closed doors, he's so servant-hearted and he's always looking for those opportunities to bless others. And uh, to me, that's the best trait of any leader. That's awesome. Okay, George, this is the last and final question for us in our audience today. And if you could leave one piece of hope or encouragement for the listener who maybe is financially struggling, what would you want to offer them today? Mm. From what I've been hearing on the Ramsey show and the futility people are feeling about their finances, I would tell them that there is hope for you yet. And that can mean a lot of things to a lot of people. For some, they feel like it's too late. For some, they feel like, well, my family made mistakes and they were broke and therefore I'm going to continue this cycle of generational debt and anxiety and stress. And so there is hope for you yet that you're going to change your family tree, that you are going to draw a line in the sand to be the first one in your family to have a positive net worth, to leave an inheritance to your children's children, as Proverbs says, that you're going to be a homeowner, that you're going to pay off those student loans that you're going to be able to give in the way that you've always wanted to give, but it's going to take a wake-up call and going, what am I going to do today? What are those habits I'm going to build, the muscles I'm going to start flexing, even though it's painful to get on a budget and to cut up the credit cards and to throw extra at the debt and do the side hustles and invest for the future, even if I don't see the growth immediately. There is hope for you yet if you just follow and submit to a proven plan and have the underpinning of faith to keep your strength and energy up when the world just keeps wanting to bring you down. Amen. That's so good. That is a word <laughs> to leave us all with. And uh, the book that we're talking with George Camel about is Breaking Free from Broke. And we hope that you'll pick up a copy. But George, thanks so much for your investment into the Young Adults Today podcast. It's an honor, guys. I got more out of this than you did and your listeners did. You guys are such a blessing. Thanks for having me. One more time, thanks so much. This is the Young Adults Today podcast. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Young Adults Today podcast. If you enjoyed it, feel free to subscribe, leave a review, and share this with someone you know. Plug me in. I'm getting charged up right now, yeah.